Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Tuesday, July 21st. So much going on throughout the professional tennis world right now. The 2020 World Team Tennis season in full swing. We've been treated to a week of spectacular action, and I know I speak for tennis fans everywhere when I say it's been such a pleasure to see our favorite pro tennis players all gathered in one location, the beautiful Greenbrier Resort in West Virginia for this year's season. Of course, safety and health procedures, uh, protocols in place to ensure you know the safety and health of all of the participants, all of the World Team Tennis Organization, the volunteers, and a huge shout out goes out to Carlos Silva once again and his team at World Team Tennis for all they've been able to do to facilitate this season that it actually ended up happening is a huge credit to the immense amounts of hard work put in again by Silva and the World Team Tennis team. And, you know, I actually got into a little bit, I don't want to call it a tiff, but certainly in exchange with Carlos Silva that I want to talk about on today's podcast. But we also had some World Team tennis news that was not result-oriented. While I will be talking about, you know, the first weeks of results, the biggest takeaways from the matches we've seen thus far, uh, it's also notable that Danielle Collins will not be playing for the remainder of the 2020 season after she was found violating their safety and health protocols. She left the Greenbrier Resort uh, in order to ensure the safety and health of all of the participants. Carlos Silva making the announcement uh, that Danielle Collins will not be back for the remainder of this season. I want to talk about that decision, as I mentioned, talk about some of the World Team Tennis results, our biggest takeaways. Of course, Mark Lucero and I hit on a lot of those on Monday, so I'll keep that brief. Uh, but I also want to talk about a big development from the ATP tour, from you know the sanctioned ATP WTA ITF tours that are planning to make their resumption in the beginning of August. And we learned for the ATP tour that date's going to be pushed back a little bit as the City Open officially canceled the announcement coming today that the event will not be played as it was scheduled to be played. Of course, that was scheduled, I believe, to start second week of August, August 10th, maybe. That was going to be the first event on the ATP calendar. Uh, Instead, it's going to be canceled. And of course, that raises further doubts about the U.S. Open, as the reason the City Open was canceled is the same problem that's going to be faced by the U.S. Open, by Western and Southern, and any tournament in America that wants to get going in August. Uh, There are international travel concerns. There are international travel bans that remain in place for a lot of athletes coming from Europe if they wanted to come to the United States once they wanted to return to their home countries. Uh, they would have to quarantine for two weeks. They would essentially be out of action. And so for a lot of players, is it worthwhile to venture over to the States for this three-week stretch? Or is it more worthwhile to just continue to train, you know, 
tough out another month in quarantine, another month of no events, and just come back when the clay court season resumes, when it's the European swing of matches. Of course, again, the travel bans that are currently in place. I do not believe there is currently an exemption for athletes in the EU coming from America for those American athletes to travel there. So these are all concerns. The city open canceling, sure, in a vacuum, it's only one event, but certainly it could be a sign of future things to come. And we actually got an announcement from the USTA on that very fact, on the, uh, you know, on an update, I suppose, on where they are at in terms of holding the US Open. Uh, But I want to talk about both of those things on today's podcast. Again, apologies for the hour of the release. For those of you unaware, we are also going daily now on the Great Shot podcast uh, to support our friends at DraftKings. Of course, we were so excited to have DraftKings join the team back in early February. Uh, But then the season went on hold. There was a big hiatus. And so obviously, you know, as people were watching exhibitions, as we were trying to figure out what tennis's return would look like, if it even would return at all during this 2020 calendar year, we put that on the back burner. But I think we are officially calling it the ace of the day. It's going to be a competition between myself, Max Rothman, Kale Hammond. Again, if you want to learn more details about that, go listen to those Great Shot podcasts, which you can expect every morning. Uh, But we didn't want to leave you hanging without a mini break podcast today, so we will get rocking and rolling from here. Of course, the reason we are able to do these mini break podcasts day in, day out is because of the support we get from our friends at Midwest Sports, and you know about Midwest Sports because for more than 30 years, they've been serving tennis players across the globe by serving as one of the world's premier online tennis shops. You know, they've got every item you could imagine. Rackets, strings, clothing, shoes, uh, the the entire works. And you can find all of it by going to their website, MidwestSports.com. Once you're there, use our promo code CR15 because you'll get 15% off your order. You'll get a free can of Wilson Extra Duty Tennis Balls and, of course, free shipping on all orders exceeding $75. Again, we are so grateful to our friends at Midwest Sports for their continued support. The least we can do is ask you to to support them as well. Midwest Sports, the promo code is CR15. Also want to remind you that these podcasts are made possible due to the support we get from our friends at Aerobar, and hopefully all of you have been listening to our Thursday Aerobar Getting to the Point episodes where we focus on the importance of nutrition and fitness in the modern game of tennis. But, you know, I know that I am, very, you know, I rely on, for my nutritional value, I suppose, the team at Aerobar because it really is a perfect way to start the day. It has replaced all other subs, uh, all other substance, all other forms, I suppose, of breakfast, and is what I turn to because I'm not going to feel drowsy. I'm not going to feel heavy. I'm just going to get the sort of nutrients, the sort of boost I need to again get my day on the right sort of path. So you can get invested, get yourself some aerobars bars by going to their website, aerobar.com. Delicious cinnamon honey oat, delicious chocolate chip flavors, both available to you there. As is our promo code CRACKED15 to get you 15% off your order. Folks, it's the only tennis-specific energy bar out there. More potassium than a banana. I promise you, once you start eating them, you're going to get addicted. They are that delicious, and they are that effective. So go to aerobar.com. Use that promo code CRACKED15. All right. With that being said, let's get into today's podcast, and I want to start with the World Team Tennis because it's not every day that you get to interact with the World Team Tennis with a major organization CEO on Twitter, and that's what happened to me yesterday, and I think part of it was a product of the podcast that I had done with Mark Lucero. You know, it was such a great conversation. If you've missed that, go check that out, but 
We were talking about this year's World Team Tennis season, why it, it just seems like a higher quality event this year, why so many of the players just seem bought in, and of course, we're all well aware, part of that is the circumstances under which the event is being played. There haven't been professional tennis matches in months. These pro players have been training on their own, and yeah, there's an exhibition event here, and maybe a weekend spent with your buddy, oh, your buddies, meaning your fellow t- tennis players who you are normally spending 46 out of weeks out of the year with traveling. Uh, maybe a couple of you got together for an exhibition event here or there, but these players are all siloed off at the Greenbrier for three weeks, and I think that's added to the chemistry we've seen amongst these teams. I think that's added to the comfort level we've seen from all of these players. You know, I'm a huge proponent of World Team Tennis, and that was where the misunderstanding, I think, between me and Carlos started. Uh, he thought I was being critical or, of the organization. I was not. If anything, I was trying to say, why is the World Team Tennis, why am I so enticed by this? Why does it seem like it's really captured fans, players' imaginations in ways that maybe it hasn't in prior seasons. And some of that is completely obvious. There's no other tennis going on right now. World Team Tennis has the attention of the tennis world. And, you know, again, very obvious, goes without saying. We can leave that point there because that's a big part of it. But I also think a big part of it is the fact that all of these players are in one location. And yes, when you're building a brand, when you're building a company, when you're building a sports league, you need to branch out. You need to find, you know, you want your fan base on the East Coast. You want your fan base on the Midwest, in the South, in the Southwest, in the West in general, the Northwest, all of these different regions of the country. And so, of course, you're going to have different franchises in different locations. No one's, I think everyone's exciting for NBA basketball to come back, but no one is excited expecting the NBA to be siloed off in Orlando for the rest of uh, its existence. Uh, But tennis is not basketball. Tennis is not uh, a, a team sport. It's not you're always traveling with your organization from city to city. It's not ingrained in the fabric of it. You know, tennis is such an individual sport, and when it's played at the team level, uh, I, I'm, it's different than ever before. So already you're making these players, uh, you're putting them in different situations than they're usually accustomed to. Uh, but to add on top of that, normally during the season, you're traveling for the week, right? You're the, If you're the Chicago Smash, a new team, you're probably spending a weekend in on the East Coast one, you know, you're playing the Empire, then you're playing the Philadelphia Freedoms, then you're playing the DC team, uh, and then the next weekend you're on the West Coast, right? You're playing the San Diego Aviators, you're playing the Vegas Rollers, you're playing the Orange County Breakers, eventually you'll head on down to Orlando, you probably, uh, Orlando Springfield is a stretch you're playing as well, but you're traveling from city to city, and as much as I love the idea of home franchises, of the home court, of the home environment uh, for World Team Tennis, as much as I, as valuable as I think that can be to to building pockets of support of tennis, these communities that just adore their world team tennis teams uh, across the country, I also think it's important for us to acknowledge that it's clear, uh, you know, A, under a normal season, I'm sorry to keep repeating this, but to get these top players to buy into playing a three-week event when they're going to be traveling across the country, uh, that's just going to be really difficult to do because players do enough traveling, right? They don't want to have to do additional traveling to play you know, an event that's not even going to yield them ATP points. And yeah, it'll yield them paychecks, but when you're talking for the top players, the paycheck that they may be offered from World Team Tennis, probably not appealing enough to put them through, you know, the traveling and the stresses that would go into committing to world team tennis for all three weeks. 
That's different when you're told you're at the Greenbrier for three straight weeks. You're all siloed off in one location, every team together. It's almost a spring break for these tennis players. And of course, it's not given the circumstances the event is being held in. But it got me thinking, let's say in 2021, there's a vaccine and life is able to go back to normal and we're able to have a normal sort of tennis schedule, tennis season, where this would be the period in between the French Open. Or, you know, I guess we're a little bit past Wimbledon now, but world team tennis would normally be taking place between the French Open and Wimbledon, I believe. Or actually, maybe it does fall after Wimbledon and before the U.S. Open series really gets underway. In fact, I think it does. I actually think that's correct, given the July 12th start date. Hey, great shot to me. Uh, But the point being, A, would you have more buy-in if these players were told, hey, it's going to be three weeks in one location, you're going to get paid, you know, the same as you would for the traveling, but you're not going to have to do all of that. You're going to have these beautiful facilities available to you. The training you want to do during that three-week stretch is easy. Again, it almost becomes a three-week spring break for these players with some really fun, really high-level team-style matches thrown in. And I guess my question was to Carlos Silva, the point I was making on Twitter that he didn't like, uh, or didn't like, I guess took, took objected to, I suppose is probably the nice way of saying it, was this idea that, hey, you know, the ATP, the WTA, the ITF, they're never going to just voluntarily give up the four to six weeks, right? There's going to be so many different people would have to negotiate that. And this is not an original thought. You know, I got Mike Cash and Noah Rubin both responded to me yesterday. I had a fantastic phone call with Noah Rubin yesterday, by the way, that sadly I can't share the details of with uh, you listeners. But let me just say, again, talk about someone who is going to do things in tennis. And I don't know exactly what those things are yet, but he is going to do things. He has plans, folks. And there's never anyone more dangerous than, you know, a Noah Rubin with plans. So um, it, it's going to be awesome. And uh, that's something really cool to consider. Uh, but anyways, I, I'm off topic there. I lost the thread. Uh, the point being, you know, both of them talked about the importance of, it would be great if a four to six week off season was built in between the French Open and Wimbledon to not only give players a break after six rigorous months of tour play, uh, but to also, you know, allow a space in the calendar for uh, things such as exhibitions like Universal Ten- uh, Universal, excuse me, Ultimate Tennis Showdown and Laver Cup, Davis Cup, Fed Cup, World Team Tennis, those sorts of events. And of course, it's a catch-22, right? Because all of us go months on months complaining, well, the tennis season is too long. There are too many events already as is. And now we're calling, we're calling for a four to six week hiatus in the season just to put actually more events. And of course, it would be optional if you're a player. You don't have to play every event in those four to six week stretch uh, that, of course, is the paradox that makes tennis fans so, I suppose, laughably enjoyable, that unintentional comedy. But it's a legitimate point because I do think if these players were told, hey, you have six weeks off. Do you want to spend three of them at the Greenbrier? Just, again, in one beautiful location. Training will be easy. Every resource you have available to you or you'd want available to you'll have. And, again, it's a huge credit to the World Team Tennis Team, Carlos Silva, that they have put together the resources, the sort of infrastructure to you know uh, offer that sort of experience to top professional players. 
I think the answer is a resounding yes. I think if the World Team Tennis season was in one location, you would have more players buying in because there would just be less logistical challenges. It would be easier on all of them. And ultimately, of course, players like any individual want to do things that are easy. They don't want to add additional stresses to their life, especially given all of the stresses that they feel in day-to-day life already being a professional tennis player. So that was the point I was trying to make. And I I think Carlos Silva, who responded, you know, Alex, if you want to, if you you want to try and run world team tennis in a pandemic, I'm happy to take a couple of weeks off. That was his response. A little sarcastic. I don't feel like that was deserved. I was just trying to make a point about, you know, saying something about this world team tennis season is clearly working. And ultimately, you know, I, I explained that to Carlos and then he said, yes, I do think having in one location what is ultimately beneficial for us this year. Uh, but of course, there are a lot of financial interests at stake and you don't want to pull out of these cities where you have already invested resources into, you know, the Chicago go smash their new franchise they haven't even seen a home match and you're going to say actually we're just going to do all of these seasons in one location why call them the Chicago smash at that point if they're not going to actually be playing matches in Chicago again I see both sides of the argument I just think it is worth mentioning had the if the world team tennis season was always played in one location would more top players be attracted to it my answer to that question is I think yes but it's a question that certainly World Team Tennis will wrestle as soon as they get through the logistics of this season because, again, it's plenty of hassle. They've got plenty of work to do just to get through 2020. And, in fact, we saw them make a bold move uh, over, the pa- over I suppose, yesterday. Uh, maybe it was this morning. Maybe it was last night when they announced that D- Daniel Collins has been dismissed for the remainder of the season. And here's the announcement. We have dismissed Daniel Collins for the remainder of the 2020 World Team Tennis season after breaking our COVID-19 protocols and leaving the Greenbrier Resort and the state of West Virginia. The protocols have been put in place and communicated numerous times to protect the health and safety of our players, coaches, and staff, which are of utmost importance to World Team Tennis. That statement coming from Carlos Silva. Now, I don't know what Danielle Collins exactly did. Uh, People have speculated, of course, on Twitter, and there's nothing worse than speculating about something where it's unclear what the facts actually are. You know, it's been speculated, did she go to nearby University of Virginia in Charlottesville to go visit friends on the Virginia campus? Did she go do, you know, was it a family circumstance? All of these different things. That's erroneous to me. You know, it's irrelevant because I I am not here to criticize Danielle Collins, regardless of whether she had ill intent or not in her decision in leaving the Greenbrier. An enormous amount of credit has to go out to the World Team Tennis staff, to Carlos Silva for making the decision of, hey— you know, unfortunately, you know, not unfortunately, oh, I guess, yes, unfortunately, that means Danielle Collins can't come back because we are trying to run this event. We are trying to ensure, as he mentions, the safe, you protect the health and safety of our players, coaches, and staff. And this does that. If you break cro- protocol, there's no leniency. We're not going to say, oh, but Danielle Collins is pretty good. That's a big name. We, we should maybe consider letting her back in. No, there are no excuses. There are no exceptions. You broke protocol, you're kicked out. And other people have said this, but it's worth repeating here on the podcast. Credit to World Team Tennis for sticking to their guns, for understanding that the league playing this product, the safety, the health protocols, it's bigger than one player. It's, you know, all of these things have to be kept in check because if you let one player back, well, then maybe someone else is going to start fooling around a little bit and then it spirals out of control. There's no opportunity for that anymore. Carlos Silva and the team, they took charge. They made a tough decision. And ultimately, I think they made the right decision. And it's going to be fascinating to see if the U.S. Open has the gumption, we'll say, uh, to make those same sorts of decisions. Because I'll tell you what, the Greenbrier is 
gorgeous, and you got a lot of fun things you can do there. You can also do a ton of fun things in Manhattan, and given the scale of Manhattan, a lot more difficult to regulate who these players would be seeing if they're going out on the town in New York while they're there, you know, uh, sectioned off from the rest of the world for three weeks. So, excellent decision by Carlos Silva and World Team Tennis, who, again, I'm going to keep emphasizing. I know I. He's probably not the happiest with me right now. I'm a huge fan of World Team Tennis. I'm just trying to see what we can do to keep World Team Tennis as prominent, you know, uh, always as it is right now because I think it's that excellent of a product. And we've seen some exceptional matches. I I don't think I'm going to be able to get into the specifics, the players. Uh, I will say if you want to hear more about the specifics, which players have looked best, listen to our daily GSP Ace of the Day segments because a lot of the action we're getting in right now on DraftKings is World Team Tennis related. Uh, but all of these teams look great. You've had so many great players. Of course, the people standing out on top right now, the Philly Freedoms led by Taylor Fritz, Sophia Kennan, they've been exceptional, the Chicago Smash, Kim Kleisters, Brandon Nakashima haven't seen Kleister's play over the past couple of days, and that's been frustrating to me because I always expect her to play in my morning GSP. That's a note for me to make going uh, moving forward, but there, those are the top two teams, the Orlando Storm 4-4 four and four right now. Those are your top three playoffs teams. Then right now, the Vegas Rollers, Orange County Breakers, Washington Castles, San Diego Aviators, New York Empire, all tied at 3-4. and four. Again, parity is a good thing. It's going to make for some exceptional tennis. It means every match is that much more valuable. And again, I if you're not watching World Team Tennis, you absolutely should because there are so many top players, so many great storylines. You know, from Kleisters, who's a, you know someone making her comeback, to Brandon Nakashima, who's trying to break through. Taylor Fritz, Sophia Kennan, Tennis Sandgren, the Bryans on their last go-round. Uh, Venus Williams in action, Sloane Stevens, Jeannie Bouchard. All, so many different names at so many different points of their careers, uh, and it's made for exceptional tennis. So if you're not CBS Sports, uh, ESPN3, ESPN2, you can watch on the Tennis One app, of course, as well. I've been doing CrowdView One on the Tennis One app, an interactive platform for those who want to watch matches. It's always really fun, so be sure to go check that out. Uh, But it's been an exceptional World Team Tennis season, so I just wanted to comment on that, let you all know what I was thinking. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Now, There's another topic we have to hit today because it was a big deal, and it's absolutely a big deal moving forward uh, because we learned that the City Open, the first scheduled ATP men's tennis tour event in North America for tennis's resumption, was set to begin August 14th, officially canceled, and it will be postponed until 2021. The decision, uh, and again, I'm uh, going to get some details here from Christopher Clary's piece in the New York Times, always Christopher Clary on top of every beat and such an exceptional reporter. So I wanted to cite his work. And if you're not subscribing, go subscribe to places, folks. I mean, journalism matters now more than ever. You already know that if you want good journalists to continue to rise of the crop, if you have arguments uh, with the current, uh, I suppose, uh, people in tennis media uh, support those who are uh, are alternative sources. You know, people not just the Clarys of the world, who obviously at the New York Times, but people like Matt Willis, Mike Cation, uh, You know, the list can go on. Matt Zemek at Tennis with an Accent. I could go on and on and on and on. Uh, the point is, support journalism, folks, because it matters now more than ever. 
And a great piece of journalism here from uh, Christopher Clary, who talked to City Open Chairman Mark Ein. And, you know, Mark Ein said, and here's the quote, when we committed to host the event, all the trends were going in our favor. And halfway through the process, they all res- uh, reversed. Now, you can disagree with that if you want. Certainly, you look at some charts and you take New York out of the equation. And the rest of the United States has actually been uh, steadily rising since April. But we don't have to do that right now. The point is, he said, and then we ran out of time with a little more time we may have been able to overcome the obstacles that were in front of us but it's better to make a decision for all the stakeholders before it gets to the last minute and again this decision that i think the biggest uh implication or the biggest takeaway is that if they're not playing the city open how are they going to feel comfortable playing western and southern how are they going to feel comfortable playing the u.s open when it literally starts the week after the city open concludes and here's what the usta said though unfortunate the usta understands the rationale for canceling the city open at this time uh, we want to commend Mark Ein and his entire team for their tenacity, driven by their passion for the sport, but respect the tournament's ultimate decision. We also want to thank the many supporters of the tournament, from the fans to its many partners, and know that Mark and his team will be ready to host them in 2021. By the way, feels worth mentioning they when they canceled the women's event a couple of weeks ago and kept the men's on the schedule, uh, that felt ominous from the get-go. Sure, they could say, well, we're not we're trying to limit how many people are on site. Uh, respectfully, uh, agree to disagree agree there. Anyways, continuing now with the USTA statement, this decision, meaning the decision about the city open, in no way impacts the US open or the Western and Southern open. I can just pause there. Really? That's your takeaway from this USTA? Rough start. Anyways, let's keep going. The USTA will create a safe and controlled environment, lol, for players and everyone else involved in both tournaments that mitigates health risks that was approved by the state of New York and also conforms to the standards put forth by New York City and the federal government. We constantly base our decisions regarding hosting these tournaments on our three guiding principles that include safety and health of all involved, whether hosting these events are in the best interest in the sport of tennis, and whether this decision is financially viable. We are confident we remain in line with all three guiding principles. Now, we've covered whether the uh, the decision is financially viable on this podcast numerous times. Yes, for the USTA, for tennis as a whole, it needs the U.S. Open to carry on. There's just too much money at stake for too many interest holders within our sport. They are going to do whatever is possible until the very last minute, right? Unlike Mark Ein, who wanted to make a proactive decision, uh, the U.S. Open's decision will be very much reactive and will be very much at the last second. Now, whether hosting these events are in the best interest in the sport of tennis, that's probably pretty entangled with is it financially viable. Uh, now you want to say, well, tennis makes a mockery. All of these players test ha- positive and it creates this big spike. That's how is that a benefit for tennis? That's a very fair argument. But for the sport itself, it's better to have professional action return. As I mentioned, baseball's coming back. The NBA's coming back. World team tennis is being played right now. Uh, If tennis wants to compete in the global market with sports, it needs to come back. So I understand their thinking there. But number three, guiding principles that include the safety and whether, you know, guiding safety and health of all involved. Can they guarantee that at this point? 
The answer is obviously for that answer, a question always going to be no. It's a matter of mitigating risk. It's a matter of how comfortable are you with all of these players playing? How comfortable are all of these players volunteering to play anyways? Uh, And that's a question that remains unanswered. But the logistical challenges of getting players to buy in, again, the travel bans in place, the travel restrictions is probably the more accurate term to use there. Uh, It's a logistical nightmare. And we have heard multiple players, you know, high-level players, we only see video of Rafa practicing on red clay. Simona Halep has made clear she's not exactly excited to come over and participate in the U.S. Open. Nick Kyrgios has made it very clear that he's not planning on doing so either. We have heard all of these uh, players express discomfort with the situation in the United States, justifiably so, and the fact that, you know, there are domestic restrictions in place, again, uh, even internally with New York. If you're coming from Florida, California, you have to self-quarantine for 14 days upon arrival in New York. And, you know, it's unclear whether European players, would they have to quarantine if they wanted to go back to Europe and then play the European events? Uh, it, it, it's all up in the air right now, and that makes everything that much more difficult. Uh, but, you know, for now, and another follow-up, uh, he ta- Christopher Clary talked to Andrea Gaudenzi, the ATP chairman, who said at the moment there is no plan to replace the City Open's va- uh, vacant spot on the schedule, but that the ATP season is still planning to resume in New York with the Western Southern Open and then the U.S. Open. And again, it's very difficult to offer concretes here. Do I think, and you talk to everyone in the tournament, and we went down to Miami uh, and had the chance, and, and to Nicholasville and talked to players like Shelby Rogers and Sam Query, Steve Johnson, Jess Pagula, Tennis Sandgren, you know, uh, Brandon Akashima, JC Aragoni, Stevie J, uh, CC Bellis, you can go Jeannie Bouchard. I'm just trying to plug all of these pods to let you know they're all coming on our YouTube channel. You can find them, some of them done in a pool. When have you ever seen one of your favorite professional tennis players interviewed in a pool? These poolside chats, I think they were that much more comfortable, made the interviews that much more enjoyable. But you talk to all of these players, and you could tell, and this was about two, three weeks ago now, that they had grown hesitant, that they were had become less and less certain that this year's uh, U.S. Open, that this North American swing was going to be able to actually happen. And they all expressed the fact that, you know, two weeks prior to that, prior even to uh, the Adria, uh, Adria Tour, which was, you know, the first really big blemish, I suppose, in the exhibition calendar where we saw a bunch of players go play that event, then test positive for COVID uh, for obviously circumstances uh, that extended beyond what they were doing on the tennis court. Uh, But the point being that planted a seed of doubt, and that was two to three weeks ago. And objectively, things here statistic-wise in the United States relating to COVID-19 have gotten even worse since then. And so, you know, realistically, it's becoming less and less likely, I would say, with every passing day, that it's going to be possible to play the Western and Southern Open, that it's going to be possible to play the U.S. Open just because of how many logistical nightmares there are. And, you know, the players were starting to feel that. We see a domino fall here with this event being canceled now. Currently, the WTA event planned for Nicholasville for our friends at Top Seed in Kentucky. Uh, It's planning to rock and roll. And, I mean, the field they've assembled, Venus, Serena, Sloan Stevens, Amanda Nisanova, uh, Coco Goff, uh, Victoria Azarenka. I know some other names that I'm trying not to list off because I've been embargoed. And do I think John Sanders at Top Seed is going to listen to minute number 29 of the mini break podcast? today. No, I don't. 
but I don't want to get in trouble. I'll, I'll give you a hint, though. Uh, I mentioned Anisimova. I will say this. Uh, Serena Williams might be the highest-ranked player in the draw by ranking, but if you go at the live race, you look at, you know, again, we only played two months in 2020, but there's someone in the live race to the year-end finals even higher than Serena who's planning on playing this event. There are a couple of players, very notable, who, again, I don't want to get in front of them, but trust me, folks, be on the lookout for this news. Um, <sighs> I'm trying to think. I guess I'll say this. Here's my hint for you. It's a stretch. It's a long stretch. My brother and I like to play these games to make sure our brains are still sharp. What do you make coffee out of? What is the initial thing in coffee? What are you grinding up? And that's my hint to you because if if you can figure out from there the player I'm talking about, please tweet it at me, by the way. If you listen to that and you put two and two together, I would be I will uh I will confirm if you've got it right because again, what in my hint to you, what is coffee made out of? If you can figure out that and figure out the player I'm talking about from there, uh, I will certainly confirm that for you. But the field at top seed looks better and better. Uh, but that event is full system go. And again, it's conflicting things. And, you know, Steve Simon sat down for an interview with Reem Abulail for The National. And if you're not reading Reem Abulail, anytime she writes anything, you're not doing tennis fandom right, folks. But, you know, he talks about how they've been steady and how they're trying to find long-term plans and how it's not all reactionary or seemingly as reactionary as the ATP has been. And how, you know, Chairman Gaudenzi, who's done a lot of good things early in his tenure, but you know, the communication between the players and and the media and everyone on the state of tennis's return, it's, it, we're all unclear on it because, and that starts from the top down, folks. I think he's as unclear as any of us. And, you know, that's not what you want from your leadership, of course. But still, again, it's a, it's a really interesting time right now in professional tennis, certainly. Uh, it's just, you know, it's interesting in general, of course, given everything going on. But it'll be fascinating to see whether pro tennis is able to return or not in 2020. And we will keep you up to date on any updates we have we hear as of now again WTA scheduled to return in Nicholasville our crack Rackets team going to be doing the media for the event so we will be on site it's going to be delightful um, something for us to look forward to of course I know the safety and health protocols that are they're putting in place and working to lock down at top speed and it's going to be rigorous folks it's going to be you know similar to world team tennis every little step is going to be followed and if you break protocol you're out uh, and that's fascinating of course so all things to keep in mind we will keep you updated here on the Mini Break Podcast. Uh, but that'll do it for today's episode. Again, if you have missed any of our interviews, we've had so many great ones. You want to hear more about this year's World Team Tennis season, go listen to the Monday podcast I did on the Mini Break with Mark Lucero, as well as the podcast we are doing daily now, our ace of the day on the Great Shot podcast. Of course, interview-wise, I believe we've done had interviews with Eric Sock released as of late. We, we've had so many great guests, Katrina Scott, Dennis Kudlow, Mitchell Kruger, Claire Lou, Bethany Matt. Sands. And then, of course, all of the guests we've gotten in Miami and Nicholasville as well. We talked to 14 of those 16 players. You're going to be able to hear all of them on the Cracked Interviews podcast, but even more enjoyable, you can see them in video form by going and checking out our YouTube channel to ensure you don't miss any of those releases. Just hit that subscribe button. You'll get a notification sent to you anytime Super Producer Daniel Westoff releases anything. By the way, speaking of which, shout out to he and Max Fliegner for the f*** of an editing job they have to do day in, day out again. 
We have two daily podcasts now, a YouTube channel, Rockin' and Rolling. We've also got the Cracked Interviews podcast, the Inside Out podcast, our, all of our golf expo- exploits as well. We're running tournaments on weekends. We're doing all of this funky stuff, all to try and bring our tennis community together, all to try and offer you tennis fans just a momentary uh, respite from the day-to-day stresses that have come during this global pandemic. So, of course, if you've missed any of the action, go to our website, CrackRackets.com, like, rate, subscribe, review this podcast, the Great Shot podcast, Correct Interviews podcast, Inside Out podcast. Shout out as always to our friends at Midwest Sports. Go to MidwestSports.com. Use the promo code CR15. Go to AeroBar.com. Use the promo code Cracked15. But with that being said, for our friends at Midwest Sports and AeroBar, our super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Westoff, and all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. Uh, you better. I can't believe I'm scrambling right here again. When you're doing daily podcasts on multiple platforms, all of these intros and outros. The only thing I know I'm supposed to say always is "Welcome to the mini break," because I always screw up the intro in the first 20 seconds and I have to ring that back. But anyways, for from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host Alex Gruskin. You know what we say, folks? That's the break, and we'll see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone. Thanks.